0: group and uh, has any reservations, I say just jump in and do it. Yeah, just jump in and do it. Jump in and do it. How are we doing tonight? Fantastic, fantastic. It's good to see you. Oh, thank you. Thank you. Good to see you. (laughs) When Alistair said, you know, Tim's friends, someone behind me said, Tim doesn't have friends. (laughs) and uh, people are starting to dob um, Danielle Edwards, they're starting to dob, and if you know Danielle Edwards, that's something that she would say, so anywho, (laughs) so Jimmy was at Sunday school, and uh, they were teaching about creation, and um, you know, about creation, and Adam and Eve, and all those kind of things, and how Eve was, you know, made from the side, from the rib of Adam, anyway, well, that week, at home, Jimmy's mum saw him in pain, and said, Jimmy, are you all right? And he said, oh, mom, I've got this pain in my side. I think I'm having a wife. (laughs) That was a good one. Good dad joke. Have you ever listened to a preacher tell a Bible story? Or maybe you read the story yourself. And you read the story and you thought to yourself, why is that story in the Bible? Why is that in the Bible? Because, you know, if I was writing some kind of, hey, look at how awesome God is, I wouldn't put that story in there. You know, if I was trying to make... God look good, I certainly take out all the bad bits and just keep all the good bits. Why is it that sometimes we read the Bible and we say to ourselves, the Bible says what now? The Bible says what now? You know, there's moments that I say that to myself. I don't know if if you Read the Bible. Uh, For example, there's this one story, right, of a guy named Japheth. And he he says to God, He says, God, I'm going to go to battle. I'm going to go to war. If you help me win the war, then I will sacrifice the first thing that comes out of my house. Well, the guy goes to war. He wins the war. He goes back home. It's in Judges. You can read this. And the Bible says, What now? He gets back home. And the first thing that comes out of his house is his daughter. So he sacrifices his daughter like what the bible says what now there's this one time where this couple named Ananias and Sapphira they sell some property and they said I had church listen when we sell our property we're going to give you know what we make we're going to we're going to give a portion to the church and the church is like yeah cool great this is in the new testament and uh, they sell some stuff and they keep all the money for themselves Then the bible says that they died because they lied so we're to take up an offering right now. Uh, like, you know, the Bible says what now? Like someone died in the New Testament just because they lied? Why are these things in the Bible? And so over the next uh, few times that I get to speak on a uh, Sunday night, uh, I wanna share stories that I don't like in the Bible. You know, why are they in the Bible? And then let's try and unpack them and bring some uh, application to ourselves. So tonight... I want to look at uh, a few things. Um, You might be able to see them better on this one. But uh, the first thing that I want to look at is I want us to do a quick introduction to the Bible. So we're going to look at the Bible in three minutes, okay? In three minutes, we're going to try to do an overview of the Bible. Then we're going to look at, the Bible says what now? So we're going to look at a story of why is that story in the Bible? And then from then, we're going to um, learn um, how to cook tasty children. Okay, but we're we're, we're going to go there. We're going to learn how to cook kids. Um, And then we're going to get to Holy moly, God is nice. And then we'll finish off with, ah, that's what the Bible meant. Sound good? That's our trajectory tonight. If we get off track, just yell out to the preacher and say, get back on track, get on, get back. Just, just yell something, yell things at me. And so I used to read some of the stories in the Bible and think to myself, man, why is this in the Bible? It seems to be that there's things like, you know, uh, death, agenda mistrust and lies, you know. If I wanted to read about death, agenda, mistrust and lies, I'd just watch the news, you know, not read, uh, you know, not thinking I'd have to read the Bible to see this stuff, yet the Bible is full of those things. Now, here lies the problem with the Bible. If you read the Bible as a static history of God, then yes, you will come to that conclusion. But the Bible is not a static history of God, but a messy sometimes beautiful, sometimes irrational. most of the time irrational story of us. That's what the Bible is. And so we're gonna try and do a Bible introduction. This is for, here's Bible college right now for you. Three minutes Bible college. Are you ready? So if you're young, get your phone out and I want you to time me. We're gonna try and get this in three minutes. Okay, so get your, time, what, your, your timer out. We're gonna try and time this. Are you recording me, Angelique? Are you really? Yeah, you're dodgy dodgy south africans seriously <laughs> hey hey i can speak your language <laughs> the bible in three minutes okay you got your stopwatch out let's see if we can do this try and keep up with me if you're on the tvs you're going to be able to see a lot better than uh everybody else let me just get my timer up i'm going to kind of cheat no, no no it starts when i say go not when you say go <laughs> okay you ready go okay so first up the Bible is not a Christian book you know usually each belief system would uh, have their teachings written out so that the group had a clear and objective way to separate themselves from everybody else but the Bible is not a book for Christians to claim to separate themselves from everybody else it, uh, um, It's not a a book used to tell some people that they're in and some people that they're out. But the Bible is a library of books of what it means to be human. So therefore, the Bible is for everybody. The Bible is a book for humans that deals with human things like war and stress and sexuality, history, desire, health, fear, and loss and transcendence and money and empire and grace and healing and slavery and doubt. All this exists within the library of The Bible. The Bible itself is a five dimensional work consisting of things like history and poetry and letters and songs and stories. One major problem that we have with the Bible is that when we unpack it, we sometimes look at it from only one dimension. For example, Jesus always spoke in stories. We call them parables. Jesus always spoke in stories that did not happen, but they are creative, imaginative examples of a much larger. Point and so sometimes in the Bible, we've taken writings which were meant to sometimes maybe be things like poetry and we read them in the context of history, missing the bigger point that the writer was trying to make. And so, uh, you know, and and this is why in the modern age, people try and discredit the Bible, they call the Bible things like outdated and prehistoric and no relevance to the modern age because they have misinterpreted it looking through only one lens. But the thing is, this even though the book is around 1500 years old, we still fall short of its a standard of how a human should treat others with kindness and with grace and humility, unselfish desire and love. So how do we get this collection of books? Well, in the beginning, God revealed himself and people had experiences with God and began to tell stories. And so for a few thousand years, there were lots of oral stories of people's experiences with God. Then somebody had an idea and wrote those stories down. So now there's many books and thoughts and letters and poetry and history going around. And so in 367 AD, some people took all those books together, collated them, and that's how we now get the Holy Bible. We now have 66 books from 40 authors written over three continents in three languages by shepherds, physicians, fishermen, uh, priests, philosophers, and kings. It's a collection of experiences written by real people in real places and in real times whose purpose was shaped by economy, politics, personal history, context and religion the bible is this amazing collection of human experiences and how god keeps on trying to enter our space he goes from being up there to being down here the bible is him daring us to overcome our fallenness it's to show us how to be more human to be more humane that is the bible stop (laughs) how did i go three minutes how how long Oh, shut up. Seriously. <laughs> so that's the Bible in 3 minutes this beautiful book full of human experiences and God try, you know God uh, being involved in the life of humanity yet the Bible is you know full of these moments where it's like man the Bible says what like why is that in there and so tonight i want to share one of those stories of what why is that story in there and see if we can unpack it and relate it to us and to you amen, amen. praise the lord so we can look at genesis 22 genesis 22 and if you want to get it at your bibles you can or get it at your phone genesis 22 1 to 3 i'll have it on the screen you can read with me if it says this check this out sometime later god tested abraham's faith abraham god called yes he replied here i am take your son your only son Yes, Isaac, whom you love so much and go to the land of Moriah, Carry, Go and sacrifice him. Check this out. Go and sacrifice him as a burnt offering. <laughs> the Bible says what now? God says, hey, Abraham, take your son that you love, your only one, which is quite strange because Abraham actually had two sons, but take your son and go and kill him as a sacrifice. Go to the mountain, which I'll show you. Check this out. The next morning, Abraham got up. Who finds that? Who finds that story strange? Right, God wanting, you know, hey, take your son, go and kill him. You know, what kind of God? You know, a few few questions. Uh, My my first question is this. Why does Abraham get up so quickly? Why does Abraham get up so quickly without any protest, without any question? Uh, My second question is this. um, Why was God trying to test Abraham's faith? Um, You know, which leads to another question. Is that how God works faith, which leads to another question, you know, are there challenges in my life right now that are simply tests? Which leads to another question, am I passing my tests? Which leads me to another question, uh, you know, should I be looking for things to do for God to, you know, uh, uh, increase my faith, to test my faith? Uh, Third question, why does the writer uh, mention Abraham's only someone? He actually has two, that's just interesting. And number four, what kind of God asks for a human sacrifice? What kind of God, of loving God, asks for a human sacrifice? Which leads me to this question. Why does Abraham seem not to be worried as if this request is a normal thing for God to ask? Why did Abraham get up so quickly without any questions? That intrigues me. And so I think to answer that question, the first thing that we need to know is how to cook tasty children. (laughs) a bit of religious history to have the most important things going well in your life which was good procreation which means having kids um, having water for your crops and you know uh, having sun for your crops uh, you had to appease the gods in the heavens It's what you had to do, you know, so that they would provide you with just the right amount of these essentials. You know, so if you wanted lots of kids, wanted good rain and good sun, then you have to make sure that the gods like you. You have to make sure that the gods are happy with you because then they will bless you. And so the people of the day saw themselves as pawns um, to these unseen powers. So the belief arose, you know, that these forces are either for you or against you. You know, so if you're having lots of kids, then the gods must be for you. If you don't have kids, then you must be cursed. We see that in the Bible, that kind of thinking. You know, if you had uh, good rain, not too much rain, because too much rain kills, not enough rain kills. If you had the perfect amount, the gods must be for you. Anything else, the gods must be against you. Same with your livestock and all those kinds of things. And so the question that people were constantly asking was this. How do I keep those forces on my side? how do I keep those unseen forces on my side? How do I keep them happy? So what they came up with was this idea of sacrifice, this idea of offering. So whatever crop I got, you know, whatever livestock that multiplied, I would give a portion back to the gods to try and make them happy, you know, to, 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 to make them happy with me. And so in doing so, they would be happy, I'd have kids, I'd have good rain, and I would have good sun now problem number 1 what if you gave your offering but you didn't have kids you didn't get good rain and you got terrible sun what would you do that is a problem well they concluded that maybe i hadn't offered enough that's what they thought maybe i hadn't offered enough And so what would happen is you would constantly then offer more and more and more and more, you know, to try and make the gods happy. And so what all that did was keep people in a state of anxiety, because I don't know if God is happy with me or not. So I'm just gonna keep offering and offering and offering, hopefully making him happy, but I don't know, I'm anxious. Problem number two, what if everything was going well? What if you're having lots of kids, uh, you know, the rain was perfect, the sun was perfect, how would you know what to give to keep the gods happy? You know, to keep them on your side, everything's going well, how much would you know you would have to offer in order to keep God happy, you know, so if things started dying, you know, maybe you haven't offered enough, so let's offer more, which leads to anxiety, I am getting good things, so maybe God is happy with me, I've got to keep him happy, so I'll just keep offering more and more and more, and hopefully things keep going well for me, that only leads to anxiety, and so what anxiety did was it made us offer more, sacrifice more, because you never knew where you stood with God or with the gods, So you would offer maybe some crops and maybe a lamb. Maybe you would offer crops and a heap of cattle. And so you kept going, you kept offering more, you kept sacrificing more, you kept killing more to try and make the gods happy. Now, if you really wanted to impress the gods or to impress God, if you really wanted to say, hey, look at how much, you know, I appreciate what you're doing, then you would offer what the most important thing is in your life, which back then was children. And so that's where we get the idea of human sacrifice. Uh, You know, that it seemed a normal thing to do. It's why it's on the fringes in the Old Testament. You know, because the people of the day, remember the book wasn't written for us today, it was written, you know, for an audience back then. The people of the day saw that as such a normal thing. So back to Abraham, can you see now how when God says to Abraham, hey, go sacrifice your son, your only son, can you see how Abraham goes, oh yeah, that's a normal thing to do. Can you see how that is? Because in his day and age, it was a normal thing to do to try and make the gods happy. Now, if we stopped there at the story, if that was the end story, then yes, you know, the Bible, it's like, man, that's, why is that story in there? You know, but to understand what's happening, we need to go a little bit further and dig a little bit further. And as we do, you see that holy moly, God is nice. Holy moly God is nice. So further in the story it says this. That for three days Abraham and Isaac travelled. For three days it seemed like Isaac was a dead man. Yeah? Abraham go sacrifice your son. Okay, they walked for three days. For three days it seemed like Isaac was a dead man for three days. Check this out. Genesis twenty-two, five says this. Stay here with the donkey. This is Abraham talking to the servants. Stay here with the donkey. Abraham told the servants, the boy and I will travel a little further, we will worship there, and then we will come right back. I find this interesting, you know, it seems like Abraham has some kind of insider information, yeah? You know, he knows something that maybe we don't right now. So for three days, it seemed like Isaac was going to die, but Abraham knew something else was going to happen. This wasn't going to be the case. Isaac wasn't going to die, but he was going to live. Now, can you see the parallel of Jesus here? That for three days, it seemed like Jesus was dead. It seemed like the father had taken Jesus to the cross and Jesus was dead for three days. But who who knows he wasn't dead for three days. Who knows that he came back? Praise the Lord, right? (laughs) And so so what kind of God wanted a human sacrifice? Not this one, not this God. God didn't want a human sacrifice. Sacrifice. Um, I had a preacher preach the story once, and you know, he told the church how this story is about, you know, giving up the, uh, the things that you love the most, you know, to show God how much you love Him. That's what this story was about. It was about sacrificing the things that you love the most, but that's not what this story actually is about at all. It's got nothing to do with sacrificing what is most important in your life because something is happening just around the corner. Check this out. Everybody who heard the story uh, knew what was happening, right? As soon as uh, the the Bible said, hey, Abraham, take your son and kill him, what that did was it sucked the people into that story straight away. Because as soon as they heard that, hey, take your son and kill him, they were like, yeah, that seems like a normal thing to do. Seems like a normal thing for a God to ask for a human sacrifice. It's like a normal thing to do. And so it sucked the people of the day into the story. Uh, But then something changes. God begins to change the rules. And in Genesis 22, 13, 14, check this out. It says, Then Abraham looked up and saw a ram caught by its horns in a thicket. So he took the ram and sacrificed it as a burnt offering in the place of his son. Abraham named the place yahweh Yireh or jehovah Jireh, which means the Lord will provide. And so instead of God, uh, this God asking for more, this God did something shocking. What's so shocking about this story is this that when the people first heard the story and heard the whole idea of Abraham take your son and kill him so that you, so that, you know God's happy with you, everyone who read the story would have been like, yeah, our God does the same thing. That's a normal thing to do. What's shocking about the story is this though, that God says, hey, Abram, actually, don't. Actually, and here's the shocking bit. God says, actually, I'm gonna give to you. It's the first time in religious history it's the first time in, in recorded history that a god actually gives to his people. So this story actually is so shocking. It's got nothing to do really with human sacrifice. That was just the part to suck the people in to get them interested. But then the story really is about God saying, "Hey, actually, you know, you don't have to take life anymore. You know, you don't have to be so anxious to and, and worry about where you stand with me. You know, because I'm going to give." to you. It's nothing that you can give to me to make you uh, to make me like you more. It's what I have done for you. You know what's interesting is that later on in the story an angel comes to Abraham and says, "Abraham, God's going to bless you and he's going to bless the whole world." We didn't even deserve it. It's nothing that Abraham did, but it was everything that God did. You know, God is going to give to everyone. Let me tell you tonight, God gives To you. (laughs) There's nothing that you can give to God to make Him like you more, but it's everything that God did, you know, and He just likes you because you're you. He just loves us because we are us. And it's at that moment we look at the story and we go, ah, that's what the Bible meant. It had nothing to do with me giving up things or had nothing to do with me sacrificing things and everything to do with God saying, hey, I'm going to change the rules. You've been brought up in this religious system that that you know I'm constantly. I don't know where I stand, but this story is about God coming to humanity and saying, "This is where I stand with you. I'm going to give to you," and that's good news tonight, isn't it? Uh, so good. You know, we need to stop giving to God out of anxiety because God gives. You know, this story was about stop taking life because God's gonna give you life. That's what this story is about. You know, stop taking anxiety and allow God to give peace. Stop taking anger and allow God to give resolution. Stop taking self-pity and allow God to give hope. Stop taking insecurity and allow God to give confidence. Stop taking addiction and allow God to give strength. Stop taking confusion and allow God to give direction. Stop taking fear and allow God to give freedom. Stop taking life and allow God to give you life. You know, we don't need to give to God or take things in order to appease our conscience with God. Because He just loves us for who we are. Check this out. Revelation thirteen eight says Jesus or the lamb he was slain before the creation of the world so God gave even before he created which means this, that in the end as humanity we didn't even need to sacrifice in the first place because God gave at the very beginning but for some reason we had it in our psyche, I don't know where I stand with God, I've got to do things to try and please him We had to try and fill this void that's, you know, I just, I I don't know where I stand. So he did things that just kept making us more anxious. But even before creation, God gave to us. You know, tonight, Jesus is your gift. Jesus is in your story. There's nothing that can make God like us more. There's nothing that we can give to make God like us more. But he just gave to us. That's what this story is about. It's about God changing the rules. How cool is that? You know, Jesus is our gift. Not a gift to Christians, but a gift to humanity. Not a measuring rod for religious practice, but a humanity 2.0 patch. (laughs) That's who Jesus is is he's not a slated set of rules, but a God that we can have a genuine and real and intimate relationship with. A God where we know where we stand. You don't have to be anxious anymore about where you stand with God. You don't have to be anxious anymore to try and feel how you feel about yourself or anything like that. But God gives life. What that means is this, you know, it's not even about me giving God those things in my life that, you know, aren't good, whatever. You know, it just means this, that all I have to do is just accept Jesus. And he covers all that. It's not like, you know, I have to give my sin and then God loves me. It's not how it works. It's just accept Jesus and sin's gone. <laughs> that's how it works. It's not like I have to get myself perfect first because that's sacrifice system. Let me get clean, then God will love me. It's not how it works. God loves you, period. Because he gave. Because he gave. Amen. Let's give God some praise tonight. That's just awesome. Thank you, Jesus. Hey, maybe, maybe you're here tonight and maybe for the first time you've heard of a God that loves you. That's not after some kind of religious practice, not after some kind of, you know, you have to do this to be in the club, but a God that just wants you, period. The Bible says that He gave His Son, you know, for us, to bring us back into His fold, to reconcile us back to Him. You know, and all we have to do is just, I guess, believe that. That's, That's just, yeah, you know, that's awesome. I believe that. So tonight, maybe you're here. Let's just close our eyes tonight. Maybe you're here for the first time, you've heard that you're saying Pastor Tim yeah I'm going to say yes to Jesus tonight if that's you I just want to quickly pray for you and so if that's you if you just, just give me a quick wave just well, all eyes are closed Holy Spirit. Thank you. Awesome. Lord I just uh, pray for all of us tonight and I thank you that we are carriers of hope. I thank you, Lord, that you changed our story. Lord, I thank you that you changed the rules. I thank you, Lord, that, you know, it's not about living a system, but it's just about having a relationship with you. And I just speak over all of us tonight, that this week that we would find those moments where we would just be aware of your presence. That we would find those moments in our life this week, that we would be able to connect with you and and just be reminded that it's you that gave. It's nothing that nothing we can do, but you already did it. Lord, help us be carriers of that light and that life. That this week we would impact people's worlds in Jesus' name. So that is what the Bible meant. Cool? So awesome. why don't we stand tonight? That we're gonna worship.